The scripture for today's teaching comes from Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 13. There came when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking, saying they were filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, I failed to mention this uh, last week, but uh, Will Hong is helping us out a big deal. Um, he's basically filling the gap until we can find someone that is going to fill worship uh, leader position in a steady way. So, Will, thank you so much, man. Really, really appreciate it. Um, all right, this, um, th- this passage... Uh, w- it, looks familiar. We, we read this passage last week, and it's too important of a passage and what the Holy Spirit does for us just to move on. So we're spending two weeks on the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Um, it, it's, it's, it's crucial, and hopefully you'll see why. I learned as if, if you grew up in the church, some of you didn't, but if you grew up in the church, one of the first things you learned as a kid, and it's one of the first things you'll, you'll even read like in a, a, a basic theological book, um, like a, a systematic theology, is you learn the attributes of God, and they're the three omnis. So God is omniscient. He knows everything, right? And then you learn another one. Um, God is omnipotent. He doesn't just know everything. He has all of the power. And then there's a third one that you probably learn is that he is omnipresent. God is everywhere. God is everywhere. Uh, We see this. We see this in the scriptures. Not only is God everywhere in a very broad and general sense, but the marks of God are everywhere. Uh, To quote the poet uh, Gerard Manley Hopkins, um, this is in As Kingfishers Catch Fire. Um, Just gorgeous, gorgeous little uh, poem. Um, He has this phrase that says, the world is charged with the grandeur of God. What a gorgeous phrase. The world is charged with the grandeur of God. Um, The the creation uh, bears his marks. Um, But if if you want Elizabeth Barrett Browning, I I like her too. She says this. She says, earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sits takes off his shoes, the rest sit around it and pluck blackberries and daub their natural faces unaware. Um, So creation 
has all the marks of God. But we go a little further in Christianity. We say um, people don't just bear the marks of God, is uh, uh, we bear the image of God. So in Genesis, um, uh, Adam and Eve are not spoken to existence like the rest of creation. He shapes them from the dust of the earth. He do, he breathes. He breathes into Adam to reflect that my image is somehow in special presence on a human, like it's not in an ant. So, so we recognize that, that um, there's a special presence, the image bearing of God in humanity. So he is everywhere and we realize that humans, all humans, even broken humans, bear the image of God and that's why Christianity says we need to, we need to show dignity and respect to all people, all people. That's where it's based on, oh, because they're image bearers. Um, C.S. Lewis says this, he says, uh, I haven't quoted C.S. Lewis in a while, have I? This is pretty good. He said, if we really saw another person's true value, how God sees them, we would be tempted to worship that person and not God. That's an elevated view of the image of God on humanity. That's a very, very high view. Um, then the scriptures do this. They describe a special presence of God, and that special presence of God comes with power, it comes with intimacy, and it comes with enjoyment. Now, I'm gonna qualify this before I tell this illustration. Uh, let, me just, let me just tell you this, is creation and life do not describe God. Only God describes all of life. So I realize that any illustration I give you is about God is gonna break down because it should break down, right? So, so when I tell these illustrations, you're like, you could, you could quibble with them and get very angry and I'd be like, yes, you're right, okay? But let's, let's take its sense. Um, so, so someone, and this, this happens, like someone comes to our house, they, they ring the, the doorbell and someone answers it, may take, and, um, uh, and uh, someone answers it and says, hey, is your dad home? And uh, the kid says, yeah, my dad's here. Oh, great, um, where is he? I don't know. <laughs> you just said your dad is here. But the kid is saying this, I don't know if he's in the back, I don't know if he's in the room, I don't know if he's in the bathroom, I don't know, but he's here. That describes a very general presence, and then there's a special presence of dad that is at the dinner table, right? And I am there in a special way that is more than the general presence of dad's home. I'm at the dinner table, and I should be locked in enjoying my family with a certain kind of intimacy, enjoyment, and presence. Now, I don't know if this rings true with any of you married people. It can happen to non-married, it, it can happen to humans. But there, there are times um, when we have a family game night and I'm, I'm there, I'm playing the games. And do you know what my wife says? Where are you? Like, where, like play the game. 
like your family's having a good time. I'm there. I'm playing the game. I'm moving my pieces. What is she saying? <laughs> Everyone's like, I, I, we already know. We already know. <laughs> right? She's saying, you're thinking about problems and issues and thinking about your work. Lock in. Lock in on these kids in front of you and have that intimacy and enjoyment and present. Be here. You're here, but you're not here. Be here with all, all the way here. Now, the reason why I give you those two illustrations is this, is today we are not talking about the general presence of God. We are talking about the specific, special, unique presence of God that comes along. This is the shower, intimacy, and enjoyment. That's what we're talking about. So th th this is the shape that we're going to do is um, what we know about God's special presence, not his general presence, but his special presence. Um, uh, where is God's new residence? Um, some of you already know, um, and you can just tell your neighbor and nudge him and say, I already know, I already know. Okay, that's great. And then number three, um, there are four very quick implications that I want to give us all because of, because of these truths. All right, so this is what we know about God's special presence. Some of this is an overlap from last week. But there is a, there is a unique, special presence of God that God himself in the Trinity enjoys. And it's in heaven. We see this in the scriptures. Now, I don't know where heaven is. Usually we look up, right? And we can only conceive in human terms like heaven is just not earth and it must be out. All we know this is that heaven is not like we know earth. Right? We're left with these very human um, descriptions of something we know nothing about. Um, but we see in the scriptures, um, not just the Trinity in heaven, but we see this, is that sometimes um, there is a unique, special presence of God. When, now, get this because it's a, it's a distinction. He appears to. Appears to. So he appears to Moses. He appears to Abraham. He appears to Elijah, usually as some sort of fire. And that is a unique, special presence that is filled with uh, power, intimacy, and enjoyment uh, and awe, if we were to look in Isaiah. Okay, then there's a, the scriptures tell us another time where there's unique, special presence of God. And we said this last week the tabernacle, right? There's, a, there's the pillar of fire at night, and it, it, it ends up after the decamp or make camp, um, uh, that, that pillar of fire is above the tabernacle. Um, we see it in the temple. There's a special presence of God. There's another instance, and some of you are probably predicting this already, but sometimes there was the special presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant. Do you remember? There's a union, and then it slips. Someone who's not supposed to grab it grabs it. What happens, right? There's a unique, special presence presence of God with the Ark of Covenant. Um, there are special times we see this in the scriptures in the Old Testament where now instead of appearing to, and this is kind of interesting, you're going to like this one, is there is a special unique presence of God that actually occupies a person. Sometimes it's a prophet, sometimes it's a king, sometimes it's a warrior. Think, think like Samson, right? Um, Think of, the, think of David. You know in Psalm 51, what, what is he pleading with God to do? Oh, please don't take your spirit from me. Please don't take it from me. Like he's enjoyed this unbelievable, unique, special presence, and he knows it could flee. And it does. 
Um, uh, then we see this in the scriptures. Then we see Jesus, and, and, and we see um, the incarnation. He is called Emmanuel. We sing that, that Christmas hymn, Emmanuel. God with us. And that is a unique, special presence of God. Um, uh, Jesus, Jesus, in fact, Jesus believes so much that he is the unique, pres- special presence of God. Do you remember that conversation that he's having with that crowd? And he says, and, and he has the temple behind him. And this temple has taken like 60 years, massive blocks. No one person, no team of horses to move these blocks, right? And he goes, you know, you could tear this temple down and in three days, I'd raise it up. What's he talking about? Oh, guess what? The unique, special presence of God no longer is that temple. He's talking about himself. So there's this self-awareness of like, I have the fullness of God. I have the unique, special presence of God in me. Um, we see this uh, one, it says, um, we see this in Colossians. Uh, Colossians 1, it says this, for in him, speaking of Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That's what we see this. Jesus himself, a unique, special presence of God. Okay, now, when we speak of Jesus, I'm gonna say something that's gonna make you nervous. What were Jesus' limitations, though? And everyone gets nervous, like, oh, no, God can't have limitations. No, 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 wait, listen. Let's go Philippians 2 on this. Jesus himself, the second person of the Trinity, voluntarily gave up things he was owed. It says in Philippians 2. So self, self-imposed, voluntarily, he, he what? He made himself limited to something. Well, he limited himself to oxygen. He needed sleep, right? He needed food. Um, what else was limited? His omnipresence. So... Um, I know Hermione Granger could do this in Harry Potter, where she wanted a big full schedule and she could attend two classes at once. I know she could do it. Jesus didn't. I'm gonna say he couldn't because he told himself he couldn't, not because Tim Lian said he couldn't. He could only be local in one place at one time. He could not Hermione Granger it. He could not. Really? Huh, what does that say about Hermione? It's a fiction, okay? So he voluntarily gives up his omnis. All right, let's go to the second one. In, Pen- in Pentecost, now this gets to the hugeness. This is why I'm doing it two weeks. This In Pentecost, this is God's new residence, God's new temple. Now, his spirit is living inside his people. Get this irrevocably. So it could leave David. It cannot, I don't want to say it with the spirit. He cannot leave his people. Okay? Um, So much so that Gerard Manley Hopkins, he has another, um, he has another poem. It's really wonderful. And he gets this phrase. It's the name of a book by Eugene Peterson, but he ripped it off of Gerard Manley Hopkins, is that he says, now Christ plays in 10,000 places. Well, more than 10,000 because there are more than 10,000. But you get, you get the picture. Now, now it's Hermione Granger times. Right? Um, this is what we see. Now, 
Christianity views the coming of the Holy Spirit as, as this, foundationally and primarily enlivening. That means this. That means it's his work, not ours, yes, but, but, but this is it, is if the Holy Spirit has not come into a person, then all the, um, this is our conversion techniques. I'm going to be super, super kind to everyone, and my kindness will convert them. Right? Or we will um, explain and explain and explain, and when we get frustrated, just call them idiots. And that's supposed to convert them. No, 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 this is what Christianity is. Because we believe that the Holy Spirit is first and primarily an, an enlivening event, is none of us can convert another person. None of us can. So I, I, I had a... Um, All right, I had a neighbor this. I had, a, I had a neighbor ask me, he said, so are you trying to convert all of us? And I told him, I said, actually, if I believe that, it would be incredibly disrespectful and dehumanizing to you. It would be arrogant of me to think that I could change your mind about something so incredibly huge. And so I said, no, 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 no. I do not think I can convert you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit himself must begin that primary enlivening event. Um, what am I called to do? What are you called to do for your neighbors? We're gonna to get to this a little later, but you're there to announce good news over their life. And you leave the enlivening to the Holy Spirit because he must do it. Um, okay, God's people are his new residents. My dad, he was a preacher, he was an old school fundamentalist preacher. And um, whenever the kids would say, oh, are we going to the church? Or, oh, we forgot something at the church. He'd be like, nope, nope, nope. We're not going to church. We're going to the building where the church meets. He would always say that. We'd drive by, look at that pretty church. Nope, nope, that's not a church. That's where the church meets. I, like, he would do, the, we'd be on vacation. Wow, that is a you know, huge church. That's not a church. That's not a church. This is not a church. This campus is not a church. It's a place where the church comes and meets. That's Jesus' new residence. That's the Spirit's new temple is you and me. Now, I'm going to give us very, four very, very quick implications from this. Now, you guys, if you grew up in the church, especially in SoCal, um, what you really, really wanted was application. And Tim's only giving you four implications. I won't do it. The reason why you're mad and you're like, no, you give me applications, but I won't do it. Do you know why? Is I can come up with four applications from this. And it's a great Tim Leon list. It's awesome. And you would walk out of here and you'd say, you know what? I really need to institute those four beautiful applications. 
And it would just become another checklist. You wouldn't have to do any self-examination. You wouldn't have to think. So the reason why I'm going to give you implications is this, is if you get the implication, you're going to walk out of here and you're going to have a million applications. I'm not going to give you applications. I want applications, Pastor Tim. Nope, I'm not giving it to you today. I'm giving you four implications. So buckle up. Okay, number one. Number one, better is the spirit in you than Jesus standing right beside you. Oh, say that again? Okay, better is the spirit in you than Jesus sitting in the chair next to where you are right now. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Prove it, okay? John 16, seven, this is Jesus talking. I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away, because if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. Jesus said that. It's better that I leave, otherwise he's not coming. Better is the spirit in you than Jesus standing right beside you. I want that to sink in. John 14. This is Jesus again, truly, truly, double truly. He's like, I'm, I mean this, like, this, put this, lock this one up. I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Check this out. And great Father works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. You know why his church plays in 10,000 places and we out Hermione Granger? Hermione Granger? Is because all of his people go into the world and Jesus could be only one place. Better is the spirit in you than Jesus standing right beside you. That's the first implication. Um, if Jesus were here, okay, let's say he rolls up he rolls up, probably like in a, I don't know, late model Honda Civic. I don't know. I mean, where's he going to put a donkey? Yeah. You know what we would have to do? And he comes in, and we're just like, sweet. I've been hoping for this. I've always wanted the hug. I, I, I've, I just thank you, finally. You know what we'd have to do? We'd have to Google Calendar Jesus. Hey, um, I've got a big, big present presentation this next week on Wednesday, Jesus is with me. I need him. Okay? And, and, and then someone else would say this, um, hey, hey, no, 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 no. Uh, look, I'm making headway with this coworker of mine. Like, I'm taking Jesus with me today. Um, I need a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough. All right? And then some person would um, just trump us all and be like, hey, guys, my grandma's in the hospital, and it's very dire Jesus is coming with me. Jesus walks with me today. That's what would happen. We would, we would, we would, I w maybe should I say fight? We would um, wrestle nicely over Jesus' time. But this is what the Spirit means. Better is the spirit in you than Jesus right beside you because the spirit goes with us all.
you're the new temptation number two. Um, you're the new temple. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians as well. Do you know what that means? Some of you are not going to believe this about yourself. You have been made livable. It's like Chip and Joe, what are their names? It's like they, they, they like refurbished you. Right? Like you're livable now. I mean, not just flippable, livable. That's what that means. Why? Is because, um, and this should blow you away. God himself cannot live anywhere that is scoured to absolute impeccable flawlessness. Do you know, do you catch how incredible, do you know what this is saying? You're not trying to get better and better and better so Jesus' spirit will be more in you. No, this is incredible. Jesus has made you righteous and his spirit can be in you. What? Me? You don't see all the... I don't care about all the... I know that Jesus' work has made you right with the Father. And his spirit can live in you. That should blow us away. I should stop there at number two. That's pretty good. Decent. Let's go to implication three. All right. You know how I said, um, those that have God's image, like image bearers, that's all of humanity. We are called as Christians to give them the highest amount of respect and honor and digging because they're fellow image bearers. But this gets tweaked up a little bit, the volume. It means this is that if a person a brother or a sister in Christ has the Holy Spirit in them. It means this, is if you ever attack them, you are no longer fighting just an image bearer. You are taking up a fight with God himself. Do you know why the scriptures talk about divisiveness and anger and infighting so much? Is there like, Paul especially is like, you, it's, it is frightening what you are doing because you are taking your fight up with a God bearer, not just an image bearer. That's huge. It should make us pause with each other and say, I, I need... I need to treat my brothers and sisters with a little bit more holy respect and not just image bearer respect. All right, implication number four. Do I have page three? I do. Here it is. Um, it means this. Um, when we see Jesus in the New Testament, and let's, um, we see him with the woman and the issue of blood. She touches him, healed. We see um, uh, people get up and walk. You know what we're seeing is we're seeing Jesus, one person, 
in a specific locale, unwinding the effects of the fall. Do you know what that means? It means now that we are in 10,000 places plus. It means effects. Where we are scattered, we are unwinding the effects of the fall. Because a unique, special presence of power, intimacy, and enjoyment is in us. Um, it doesn't happen at a specific place. It's everywhere. His people scattered. Um, I, I, listen, I can't believe I missed this in my musical, you know, history. But Van, I listened to a, a song by Van Morrison this past week. And um, it was, it's, the, the name of the song is No Guru, No Method, No Teacher. Has anyone heard this song? I, I've never heard this song. It's new to me. I can't believe I missed this. Um, I, I was struck by that idea is that this is what that means because you have God's spirit in you and I have God's spirit and all of his people. It means this is that we cannot have our lives run by some guru, dynamic, amazing celebrity guru who thinks he is amazing and is dispensing all of the goodness to all of God's people. No. Why? Because I know you have God's spirit and you don't have it more than him or her. You go into your workplace and you go into your neighborhood. It's not based on a locale, like a certain method. I, went, I have to go do this dutiful program at the building where my church meets in their program. Um, and no, Th this is the problem. Um, okay, okay. The percentage of this part of your week is less than 5%. Now, let me say this. I think what we do here is primary and of utmost importance, but it is not what we do like this is in the renewal of God's world. So get this. It's like this. Is, um, I view it this way. Um, if I'm going to wash my car, I'm going to get the sponges in the in the, in the, the the bucket, and I'm going to get the hose and everything. I'm going to get everything ready and all the wax. And, and um, I view worship of God's people together as me simply turning on the hose. It is where we get the fuel and the purpose and the reason and the energy to do the thing. But I do not think that I spend my whole time turning on the hose. But if I don't turn on the hose, then I'm just rubbing dust into dust and scratching my sweet 2007 Toyota Sienna. What? Is that funny? <laughs> this is the trend of the church growing up in the past like 50 plus years, and we got it from above us. But let's, let's just talk SoCal. The trend of the church was this, is we are going to make um, the campus of the church a place where, where Christians can come and we can get Christian coffee and go to our Christian skate park and also play in the Christian gym. Now, what happened? At its very, very worst expression, 
We, were, we became a bubble of Christians who just wanted to be around Christians and we wanted to spend all our time with other Christians because they understand me and they get me and I get them and we loved our Christian coffee and our Christian skate parks. We loved it. At its worst expression, it's, we, we build this bubble and it's incredibly hard to break into a bubble. If you're a person coming from the outside, they're like, they all know each other and they all love each other and they know inside jokes and I don't know any of it and they, they've rallied hard. So the, 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 the effort to get into that is extremely hard. All right, next best from that worst expression is this. We'll invite the people to our Christian coffee to make a, my home church that I grew up in Fullerton, you know what they did? They spent millions of dollars to make a cool, very hip looking coffee shop on their campus. Thinking, okay, it's for the Christians, yes, but best case scenarios, you invited your, your neighbor to our very cool Christian coffee shop. That is very out of the way on their way to work. All right, horrible. But do you see the implications? We thought, oh, we're, we're pulling people to this magical place of churchness and church offices and church programs, and that's not what we're called to do. We are called to get the, that water of life here and say, oh, that's my energy, that's my fuel. I was broken down, I didn't remind it. And then we are kicked out into the world and scattered to the world in our respective jobs. Our, 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 our. Do you believe that God has put you where you live for his purposes? Or are you just like, I don't know. I, I, it just doesn't seem like things been hitting. And I don't know. I'm in this apartment. I'm, I'm going to upgrade. Maybe. I don't know. Like, and why start now? I haven't done it in the past 10 years. They're just going to think I'm weird. The implication is this. The incarnation means this, is that we go into the world and announce good, peop- good news over people's lives. Um, I've got to say this. This is a funny story. Last January, I started coaching YMCA basketball for um, eight and nine-year-olds. First time I'd done coaching. I should have been doing this before. Guess what? I had not It's the first time I'm coaching. Okay. Um, <laughs> you guys are going to laugh at me. I couldn't turn off my pastoring chip. Um, um, so you get like 10 families and they're from all, you know, South Pass, San Marino. And, um, and then the first game happens. And when the first game happens, because parents are panicked and covered up in shame because junior looks like a drunken octopus. And then they email me and they're just covered in anxiety. Um, um, what can we do at home? Are there videos that you have? Um, are, are there gonna be extra practices? Can we, like, they don't wanna ever, they don't want Junior to ever shame them like that again. All right, so they just turn, they turn on, like, what, can, how can we solve this huge problem? So there's this one lady, I'm gonna disguise this. Um, she is a highly bright person, um, She's at an institution of higher learning not far from here. And she emails me and she just has this list of what can Junior do. And I can't turn off the pastor chip. But I'm going to announce some good news over her life. And I said, you know what? 
You know what's, you know what's funny is uh, I don't think Junior, I don't think his person and identity has anything to do with throwing an orange ball. So let's say he is really horrible and he says, I should never do this again after the season. Let's say someone else said, Junior is horrible. I'm typing this in an email. Um, I said, you as his mother would say, that's crazy. You don't know Junior. You don't know his creativity. You don't know what he's into. You don't know all these other, you don't know, that's not Junior. And then I said, I'm gonna announce some more good news to you. Didn't say gospel, didn't say Jesus. I said, let's pretend Junior crushes it and becomes better his entire son James. I said, you know what you're gonna do as a mother his entire life? You're gonna scream to people. That's not who he is. He is so much more than that. Do you know his creativity? Do you know his, his pursuits? Do, do you see what I, I announced? So she emails me back, she said, I left the church she goes, I, I, she goes, I Googled you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I hate that. She said, I left the church years ago. But she says, you really know how to give someone peace. It doesn't happen every day, by the way. <laughs> That's what you're called to do. Wherever your crack is, whatever postage stamp of the world he's called you to, you're saying, sir, by the power of you indwelling me, I am gonna announce good news over everything in my path. The church is scattered and we're mobile and we're highly differentiated, but he is bringing renewal to the world through us. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, your, um, your kindness and just gift of the Holy Spirit is we don't understand. We still don't understand. So let us enjoy it in a new way, your spirit here at the table, amen.